Eric. Why are we uh, why are we starting with Master of Puppets? That's not a normal intro for the show. You are correct. But this song answered a question I had going into the weekend. Was Stranger Things going to give pop culture another song like Kate Bush? which has been the most streamed, most listened to song in the country, maybe on Earth, definitely the country, um, since the first part of season four of Stranger Things came out. And there was a usage of that song. Um, you know the riff, there's this. Yeah, that song's been used a lot in pop culture, uh, movies, everywhere, and uh, Stranger Things, and that's all I can give you because I read I read an article. You tell me. I don't think this is a spoiler. the The article got me interested. Um, it it said the the real upside down, the real scary is adulthood, and that had me intrigued, more intrigued than the Kate Bush song. So maybe I will go watch Stranger Things. I spent the weekend watching something else. Um, mild spoilers, but really just some personal thoughts and why it's the closest I will ever get to some things I have no interest in ever. And hopefully I will never need to be connected to those things. First, how do I sound today? Um, I got to tell you when I went home on Friday, um, it was, so when I drop any food on the floor, Andre is, he, he does like warp nine and eats it. Thankfully, it's a stomach of steel. Um, like when you're trying to pry some food out of your dog's mouth that they shouldn't be eating, uh, that's what it was like trying to get the bottom tray out of my mouth with Invisalign. I was really demoralized. And to be quite honest, I, that night and early on Saturday, well, I had a, a bunch of time to think while I was doing the side job. I was doing a lot of mental gymnastics and trying to remind myself that the, the outcome, the conclusion will be worth all this, and are there any tips or tricks? I sent a video to a friend of mine who is a dentist, and I'm like, maybe my mouth, this sounds weird, maybe my mouth isn't big enough. My fingers are too big, and I just can't get it back there. But to be honest, I had uh, some good drinking and some good eating um, Saturday afternoon and on, and not a single problem with the trays. So maybe they were just really firm and had to be stretched out a little bit. I had to to get to the right touch points on them, had to stick my fingers in my mouth the right way. And I, I was kind of demoralized and I was questioning a lot of things, definitely Friday. And I was also a bit hangry because I was wondering, God, all I'm, all I'm ever going to drink is water, which I am. I had six 28-ounce bottles of water yesterday to kind of satiate my appetite. But I had to get used to taking them out just so I could have a protein bar, cleaning my mouth, putting them back in, and just thinking of all these steps Friday afternoon through Saturday morning um, until I was able to get them out and the bottom tray out kind of easily. I surprised myself when I made that video. I got over the hump right then and there. So after 24 hours of, what am I doing Uh, I'm in a great spot right now and no lisp. In fact, the trays I don't think are settled 100% right now. And that's my bad. Maybe there's a piece of food in there somewhere. I don't know, but you can't tell. Um, And I don't care if you can see them and my teeth are shining because of the uh, the reflection of the Invisalign. uh, I am a total 180 from where I was Friday afternoon, night, and early Saturday morning. 
Um, I, I was also, these mental gymnastics took me to, so I didn't do, I don't know about you, but and you could probably tell with me, I do a lot of research before I make a decision. And then sometimes it becomes paralysis by analysis. You overthink it. I uh, asked very few questions. And uh, at Dr. Frankel's office, Pam said, it's like wearing a retainer. When she said that, I was done. I was in. You know, I've told you I had gum issues for a long time because I didn't go to the dentist. I was always afraid to get Invisalign or consider it. I didn't think my teeth or gums were strong enough. The prying and shoving my fingers and pulling the trays off of teeth or something I never would have done 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And now I do it without batting an eyelash. And arguably the only thing that was weird, kind of painful, discomforting on Friday, um, was the doctor, I guess, had the saw in between my teeth, my upper right teeth, molars, so the teeth could move a little bit. And he had to go to a different tool. Um, and, and it felt a lot better after that. But I am a total 180 from where I was as a dental patient, so I'm looking forward to the outcome, even though I'm an outside of character and did not look anything up about this. How I have to take them out, what I can eat or drink, how often do I have to clean them, how can I? How do I figure out which is the bottom tray, which is the top tray? Oh, my vampire bottom teeth let me know that that's the bottom tray, but I didn't look anything up. I went into it nearly blind. Had I done it the other way, I might have just said, nah, not, not, not for me. But I'm in a much better spot than where I am on Friday and no problems talking. In fact, let me take a sip of water. I am, uh, I could actually lose some weight with this because I will probably be drinking nothing but water, coffee, and alcohol. No more soda. I was getting into Powerade recently after I needed the electrolytes from um, from beating the, the cold and COVID stuff. Um, maybe I will skip a snack instead of just eating it and I'll just, you know, try to drink some water, fill up on water and hope that satiates me. So something I'll, I'll keep an eye on, a unintended positive consequence of Invisalign. Um, next up, what I spent my weekend doing. So I do TV show stuff? Yeah, and then I'll leave the serious stuff for the middle and then we'll wrap around with some fun things. Um, so I didn't watch Stranger Things, although the article, an article I read said the adulthood thing has me interested now. And I should know better because I didn't watch season three when it came out. And then I did and I was like, huh, this is really good. Um, but I watched The Terminal List, a new Chris Pratt uh, military show. Uh, that came out on Amazon Prime, and for everybody that complains about Prime and the awful thing, no, they complain about Amazon and Jeff Bezos and all, like, take all that away, and I would still pay a hundred and some dollars a year for the TV service, the streaming service, because the sh- I, they might have, show for show, the best service out there, and they still have a lot of legacy content that Netflix seems to have lost to other, um, to the home providers, or the home networks, or, or production companies. So I watched one episode Friday night and I am, I'm over, you know, I like to say, if you're good at something, do it, do it, do it, do it as often as possible. And Chris Pratt does that. Chris Pratt is a, uh, is a great, he is a great actor as a, as a dad, he's a dad character, uh, plays the dad role well, play, plays the husband role well and shooting guns. So that fits with Star-Lord, the Tomorrow War that he was in on Prime or Netflix. But I'm kind of over Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt. 
Um, not that I need him to do like a, like I think Brad Bradley, uh, what's his face, Bradley Cooper, yeah, did a bit of a, a pivot in the middle of his career and showed us how much more diverse he was. I don't need that from Chris Pratt. I'll just find other stuff to watch. But the last five minutes of this episode, and I'm not going to spoil a whole lot here. Um, the last five minutes of the episode, because it was very, if you've seen one military type show, um, guys coming back from war, losing friends, all that stuff. Like it is, it checks every cliche and trope. But the last five minutes had me go, oh, well, I'll keep watching this. Um, and through this series, it continues to check every trope and every military movie cliche, but it is done extremely well. I saw that Chris Pratt, um, he had um, army people and veterans in, in the movie, which you'd think others have done plentiful times. Uh, but I will say this is the most, this is the, when it comes to feeling like you're there and understanding the horrors and the violence and sound of these weapons and what they can do to people. And I know that might hit a nerve after only in America would we have another mass shooting on July 4th. Um, but watching this show and the authenticity that Chris Pratt did as a co-producer of the show, it's it's from a novel. I, I told you it's called The Terminal List, right? Um, it's the closest I have... I have felt and and like I felt like I was touching these weapons. Um, it felt like you were in the first scene um, of of Saving Private Ryan. That kind of like deafening noise when the violence and action was happening. And while it was not outside the comfort zone of Chris Pratt, I would say that this might have been his most challenging role, certainly physically. Um, but. His ability to play that character and that role all the way through is completely authentic. If you didn't know who he was and what he's done, you would think that this was some type of ex-military man who became an actor. Um, So I give him tons of kudos for the grueling and tiring nature of uh, of the role. I had a couple more things. Oh, one more thing. Uh, that that kept me going. This is it's a really good cast. Taylor Kitsch is in it, who is in Friday Night Lights and the Wolverine movie that everybody hates. Some other familiar faces. Um, but there is a moral gray area that arises in a couple of different directions. So I don't know if you've seen it. I used to watch it. It used to be my TNT movie. Whenever it was on, I would watch when we all still had cable. A Few Good Men. It is morally conflicting, like A Few Good Men, but with thousands more bullets and so much more action. So if you choose to get in on that, I hope you enjoy the immense detail in this movie that brought me closer to military weaponry and military operations than I ever want to be in my life. And again, I haven't seen Zero Dark Thirty or Sniper. So, But when there's something on Prime, I always give it uh, an eye. To that point... Yesterday, and this was before the shooting in Highland Park. Um, Yesterday felt weird, and I'm not going to say this was everybody, but it certainly felt like a lot of people. And I, I can't even anecdotally say this is accurate, but I'll just throw it out there. 
yesterday felt like, and you know, I'm trying to get away from saying, I kind of feel like where I feel like, no, either you, you do or you don't. Yesterday, looking around, I sensed <laughs> that I saw a lot less American flags from where I would normally see them. And I wonder if there were two kinds of people who proliferated this country yesterday. Not majorities, but plenty. There's certainly more than there has been. Uh, the people that would normally put up American flags, and yes, I'm stereotyping a little bit, I wonder if those people did not choose to be as patriotic as they normally would on July 4th because they feel they're losing a grip on their country and what they believe an American looks like. I should have conveyed that fairly well, right? They are that traditional, standard white person. Might not have a lot of ethnic friends or ethnic tastes, and their idea of America is one singular white thing. And I'm not saying that they are racist by any means. They just live in a silo. And their idyllic America, which was never really a thing, um, we have more people coming into this country. We should be welcoming people of different colors, embracing people who have different genders and different sexualities and this horrifies them so they have not put their flags up because they're afraid that they're losing what they think they knew. The other side of that is more and more people realizing um, those people felt like their flag, flag was vanishing from them. The other people that I thought of were people who realized that flag that flag never stood for them and doesn't and doesn't now. Um, because the racism is far worse 150 years ago, but it is still very prevalent. And they're realizing more than ever that that flag stands for many bad things that happen here, and it's not getting any better. I think that's it for the serious stuff. Oh, fireworks. My For my entire life, fireworks have always... And we have to differentiate. Um... Fireworks are what happened over the river downtown Saturday night and what will happen in Sylvania on the 8th. Firecrackers are what people set off in their neighborhood. For as long as I can remember, people have always, in neighborhoods, set off firecrackers leading up to July 4th and up through the middle of July. It doesn't keep me up. It was blaring last night. Thankfully, it doesn't affect my dogs. Um, and in this case, this is one of these things where I can be completely sympathetic and empathetic and compassionate to everybody else, even though this doesn't bother me at all. And the sheer volume would lead me to believe that we should do something. Um, and I know that we we expect this, but at, at and remember, uh, last night was at least July 4th, but it was a school night. It was a work night. So a lot of people were kept up by people setting them off from 10 through 2 a.m. And then you finally fell asleep. And then the rumbles of thunders and the morning storms um, just made it a really bad Tuesday for you. Um, at, at best, these things are inconsiderate because they're happening in and around neighborhoods. At worst, people can get hurt. Things can burn and, you know, a handful of other things. But I heard those firecrackers and they weren't outside of my house. Can you imagine how many people, and this is where the volume comes in and where we have to go. It's like, if 
if nobody, if you're running a pizza place and nobody gets pineapple for a topping on their pizza, it's time to take pineapple off the topping choices uh, on the menu. There isn't a single person who walked outside of their home last night when firecrackers, firecrackers were going off in their neighborhood and they went, wow, this is incredible. I am so glad these people bought cheap-ass fireworks and decided to set them off in our neighborhood to keep the patriotism and the excitement going at 12.15 this morning. Nobody did that. Think about the entire neighborhood, the entire community whose evening is likely being disrupted. You can't sleep. Your dogs are are just beside themselves in fear in the closet under blankets. Your kids can't go to sleep. Think of how many people are negatively affected, negatively disrupted because a couple of people want to set off some firecrackers. And again, in most cases, it's more likely they hurt themselves than someone else or something else gets set on fire. That's why I said last week. Let uh, let four-fingered Frankie or one-eyed Oliver explain why they wish they hadn't set off firecrackers because they can be dangerous and you're maybe drinking or high and maybe careless. But the sheer volume of people who are negatively affected and disrupted by this. And if we're just one night or one weekend, okay. But I'm certain this, my whole life, this has gone into at least the second week of July. And then there's fireworks sales, firecracker sales. And then it goes through. Um, Even though a lot of people are minimally affected, slightly disrupted. There are many things that cause a bad night's sleep. Um, it seems like we would crack down on just for the sheer volume of people who despise this. Or is there a more productive way about this? Hey, if you've got your own firecrackers you bought from Michigan, we're going to let you come to X, Y, and Z. And then from 6 till 9, set them off at your leisure. But if you're disrupting neighborhoods, we're going to have to have some kind of punishment or penalties. And this is where irate Eric comes in and I want to um, over-penalize over these people. It's like, you want to light these things off? Fine, we're going to put you in jail for 10 days. I know that's completely ludicrous, but sending a message so that we wouldn't be disrupting so many people. Um, two final things. So I am a, um, I am a Backstreet Boys fan. And uh, they had a performance over the weekend in Toronto. And uh, he, he, I guess he kind of dubbed himself the sixth Backstreet Boy. And that would be Drake. That's them doing one of his songs. So first of all, those uh, those 30 and 40-something-year-olds were yelling and as loud as they were when they were 15 years old. And Drake looked like he was having a better time than all of them. And of course, he gave us the end. I actually would have liked a little more Drake with uh, singing with them, but I got what I got. One last thing. Um, a Delaware mall, I don't know how close uh, it was to where I grew up, where Delaware was right down 95, 45 minutes away, tax-free shopping. 
They were um, digging up a mall, remodeling a mall, doing something in a mall, and they ripped down a wall and found a completely preserved 1980s Burger King. Uh, can you think back? We should close your eyes and visualize those restaurants in the 80s. All I'm seeing is lots of ferns, plastic from the kids' meal toys that we would discard, and most of all, those logo implanted aluminum foil ashtrays. McDonald's logo was like printed on it, the Burger King logo. When we look back on a time and see how stupid we were, because the smoking section was the next booth over from the non-smoking section. How dumb were we? Which takes me back to a a tweet I thought of last week. Right now, 30-year-olds are drilling 60-year-olds for what they did to society, culture, and the planet. When those 30-year-olds are 60 years old, 30-year-olds then will be ripping them for what they've done these next 30 years. Thanks for listening. Always appreciate you being here. Share the podcast if you can.